I think it's Sue. I think Sue's the only one. Sue, we love you. Thank you, make, thank you that my check's always clear every, so far. She's the only one. So. Maybe my mom. Hey, mom. So bad. So when we, the session gathered um, on Saturday, just to think about this service, we realized we wanted to have a pared-down service. We want to get in, praise Him, pray for our community, hear from God's Word, and get out. We recognize that there is a very contagious virus around, and yet we did not want that to define who we were. And then somebody, I don't know, maybe it was my even, do you guys want me to come up with another sermon? And they're like, oh yeah, yeah, you know, speak to the time. And I was like, that sounds like a great idea. And then I was like, it's Saturday. So, <laughs> oh man. <laughs> so, um, Turn with me in your copies of God's Word or, or turn in your uh, website that you look at to Revelation chapter 21. We're going to read verses 1 through 6. And Revelation was written to a group of people that were suffering. Not just physical, they were suffering persecution for being Christians. And it was written to a group of people that needed hope. It's really four visions where John just tells the same story from a different lens, like a kaleidoscope. It was written to be understood. It wasn't forecasting, you know, helicopters or some secret code that we were supposed to figure out. It was written kind of like a graphic novel or a comic book. It's just the, one of the genres of the, de- of the time that you can look through and say, God has saved us in Jesus Christ. He's included us in the church. He's been raised from the dead. We are doing war with the enemy. And at the end, we win. And as I thought about this day and what we wanted to say as a church, I thought this is what I wanted us to say. I wanted us to look in hope. I want you to see this hope in this text and this throne. In this text. So let's look at Revelation 21, reading verses 1 through 6. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and He will dwell with them. And they will be His people, and God Himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. He said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty, I will give water without cost from the spring of the water of life.
This is God's word. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, open the eyes of our heart. Let us see Jesus, the King who sits on the throne. Let us experience the hope that he has promised, not a wish, not a guess, but a certainty. Let our lives be defined by this hope. Pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So I have a friend, uh, she w- I knew her in high school. She's a, she's a dentist now. It's what happens in youth ministry. You know, you like hang around these kids and they grow up and get real jobs. Now she's a dentist and she's a huge Pittsburgh Steelers fan. Um, she loves that football team. She, she every Sunday watches every game, except she DVRs it. She records it. And she doesn't watch the game until she knows the final score. Yeah. So, like, she records the game, doesn't watch it if it's the 1 o'clock or the 4 o'clock game, or if it's the Sunday night game, she doesn't watch it. She only watches <clears throat> those games that she already knows the result of. So when she sees that her beloved silver, no, not silver and black, gold and black, those Pittsburgh Steelers with the, the spark on the helmet, the red and blue and white, representing just everything right about America, she says. When she realizes that the Pittsburgh Steelers have won, she puts that game on. It doesn't matter what it looks like at halftime. Three interceptions. They're down. They can't get the running game. Nobody's blocking. Nobody's tackling. Nothing's happening. My friend Catherine is no longer watching that game to see whether the Steelers will win. She's watching that game to see how the Steelers win. Same thing happened to me when I used to watch the show 24. Remember that show, 24, with Jack Bauer? I started watching it when it was on DVDs. See, kids, there's this uh, disc, uh, and you put it in a machine. Well, so (laughs) we watched it with DVDs, and they came in the mail. It was crazy. And I started watching 24, but here's here's what happened. He's getting taken captive, and his wife and his daughter, they're all away. But I knew there was like season five and season six, and he goes to New York in season seven, and nobody watched that season. But what happened was, I'm watching season one, and it looks terrible. This is really bad. there's, There's no way Jack Bauer can get out of this. But I know there's season five and six and seven. I already know the end. I'm not watching to see if Jack Bauer gets out. I'm watching to see how Jack Bauer escapes. This is what God has given us in Revelation 21. You and I aren't participating in a life to see if we make it. To see if Jesus is king to see if he's trustworthy. We're seeing how. How he makes a name for himself. How he rules as king. How he saves. Does this make sense? Revelation 21 points us to the end and says, define your life backwards forward. From the end 
begin with the end in mind. Look first at the throne. Look first, excuse me, at this hope. It is beautiful. Do you see there where it says, I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. There was no longer any sea. The sea represents, I love the ocean. My, my wife loves the ocean. We love going to Hilton Head. We love going to Clearwater Beach. We love the ocean. I love how it smells. I love the, the breeze. I just love it. Here, though, it doesn't mean you're not going to have the ocean. I think the ocean's going to be in heaven. To a first century Christian, the sea represented everything chaotic, everything scary, everything big. Everything, the first earth had passed away. There was no longer any chaos or fear. You know the feeling, students, you get on like Sunday night, like schools in the morning, the chaos. On Sunday night, where you feel like a work is in the morning, or there's that big meet. It's like, oh, I'm not ready. This is terrifying. There's that bully. There's that boss. There's that employee. There's that situation. Oh, no. All of that will be passed away. And then it says, look, verse 2, I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, the city prepared as a bride. I had a seminary professor say that the storyline of the Bible is God finding a bride for his son. John, in his imagination, given by the Holy Spirit, is seeing the two most beautiful things that his mind could see, and he writes it down. It's, that's what the end is like. It's like this, this beautiful Roman city, this huge, immense, safe fortress coming down, but it's not a city, it's dressed as a bride. When, my daughter, my 10-year-old, already loves the show Say Yes to the Dress. Those dresses make everybody look beautiful. It even made Dennis Rodman look pretty. <laughs> you remember? He was on the cover of Sports Illustrated. Even he looked good in a wedding dress. Like, think about John saying, this hope I have is beautiful. The end of my life is beautiful. I don't know if you recognize that. That the end of your life, what is certified, the hope we have is a beautiful future. You have a beautiful future. Secondly, not only is it beautiful, it's also connected. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people. And he will dwell with them. They will be his people. And God himself will be with them and be their God. We are a we. We are an us. You are connected to a group of people. You belong to someone and you belong to a group. 
That's not always been true. Sometimes we feel like we have to figure it out on our own, but you belong. That's why I think this is one of the most terrifying realities that I've encountered as a, as a man. The way out of this coronavirus is isolation. There's nothing closer to hell on earth than isolation. The way to get well is to get alone, to self-protect, to store up fear and store up resources and store up anxiety and just wait it out. When the Bible pictures hell, that's the picture. Coronavirus is a touch of hell on earth. Threat of death in your only way, in your only future is isolation. What the session came up with is we're going to come up with ways that we're going to care for our community. So if you know of others that are in need of toilet paper, did you hear about the family that went and bought the the wipes and made $70,000 on Amazon because they marked it up? Isn't that great? Capitalism. I'm just saying. I'm, you know, fine. It's fine. It's fine. If you need wipes, or you need toilet paper, or you need bottled water, we are in us. We're not going to hoard from you. You must let your need be known. Who could have ever thought that a way to love your neighbor is share toilet paper? Did you know that's what Janet Barnett bought me for a homewarming present? She bought me toilet paper and rolls, uh, you know, the good, like, paper towels, like, that feel like a blanket, you know, that you almost, like, don't want to throw away. You want to put in the washing machine. Like, they're really nice. Like, you know, on a roll, and, like, it takes two hands to take them off. That kind of toilet, uh, that kind of uh, paper towels. As a housewarming gift. She said she was kidding. But do you know that I look at a stack, a stack of toilet paper, and a stack of paper towels, and I said, someone loved me. Someone thought of me as a shot of hallelujah cared for. So you're not going to have to figure this out. You're now connected. That's the hope you've been given. Not just beautiful, but connected. Where you don't have to store it up on your own. Where you don't have to hoard. Where you don't have to protect. Where you belong somewhere and to someone. You have a future that's beautiful and connected. Thirdly, you have a a future that is embodied. It says there in verse 4, He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. You know, it could have said, then you enter into the all soul at the loss of consciousness and enter the great beyond. But when John, that doesn't sound that that good news. An Eastern philosophy of you just cease existing. When John, the beloved disciple, sees heaven through the Holy Spirit's inspiration, he says, Our future is beautiful. Our future is 
connected. I have a, a group of people that God is with me and I am with them and I'm with Him. But it says, in this heaven, it pictures God tenderly wiping tears. Have you ever wiped the tears of your child? How tender. How caring. Wipe the tears of your spouse? Your parent? Do you picture God as one who is so tender? You don't wipe away tears by like, suck it up, quit crying, be a man, grow up. That's not how you wipe away tears. This embodied hope. You know, Adam and Eve were reasonable. They were given a reasonable soul. They were souls in bodies, bodies in souls. In the Enlightenment, in the 16th, 17th century, we started to divide these issues of the body and the scientists and the medicine and the theologians. And, and some of you who are dealing with anxiety or depression, you've gotten bad theological advice, like you just need to pray more or repent of sin. Or you've gotten bad scientific advice, like just take this pill. You need both. If you're sad, you need a hug. That's the other terrifying thing about this coronavirus. You can't touch. Did you know that if babies aren't touched in a hospital, it's called failure to thrive. They die. If a baby isn't touched, if she's abandoned by her mom, she will die within hours, days at least, if she's not touched. The body releases serotonin and oxytocin, these beautiful bonding that I am not alone in this world. God made you with nerves and senses and skin to know that I'm connected. I think we are as undertouched as a generation that there has ever been. It, we touch phones, but we don't touch each other. And the coronavirus says not only do you isolate and hoard you can't be touched. I love that Joe gave me a hug this morning. We were defiant in our hug. It felt good. It felt great. An embodied hope. You have... Heaven is not your home. You're not going to go get butterfly wings and float around. God's end is not disembodied souls. God's end is the body resting in the ground and the soul waiting for heaven until the resurrection when soul and body will meet. Did you know that every body that's in the grave is facing east? Every graveyard, every cemetery the bodies are laying facing east because from the east, the sun will rise. Every body, whether dead in the Lord or dead outside of Christ, is awaiting the resurrection of the body. That's why everyone around heaven right now, your loved ones, the people that you knew that have died, they are waiting around the heaven, the throne, and they're crying out, How long, O oh Lord? How long? How long until you 
Restore the world. Bring down this beauty. Bring down this connection. Bring down the embodiment of unite my soul with the body. Let you reign where there is no night or no darkness because we have the sun. We're resurrected, reconnected. We're not just floating around without a body. You need embodied theology to hug and get a good nap and take medicine and have friendships. It's not just read your Bible and pray and get over it. It's read your Bible and pray and hug and cry and eat well. Take your medicine. Get a nap. Get some exercise. Embodied. Touching. Wiping. Clearing. No more mourning. That's your future. See this hope and see this throne. It's by his authority. It says, He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. God will make everything new and is about making everything new. He works in this world where his kingdom breaks forth. That's what the, that's what the miracles were about. It wasn't like if you have enough faith, then you should be able to heal and raise people from the dead. It was about Jesus saying, this is like what heaven's like. A blind, well, spits in mud, touches a blind man. It'll be like the blind seeing. Whoa, yeah, heaven will be even better than that. This guy with demons, oppressed, gashing himself. We're not powerful enough for this spiritual force. We don't know what to do. Lord Jesus, get out of him. Jesus speaks to the, just get out. Go away. Oh no, Lord, you are the king, the Christ. What are we supposed to do? Don't, don't kill us yet. Go into the pigs, get out of here. Jesus just speaks to water, speaks to demons. Like a little child, get out of here. That's like heaven. I'm conquering death. I'm conquering disease. I'm conquering spiritual forces that are terrifying for you. I'm conquering natural disaster. I'm conquering ailments. I'm conquering suffering. It's just nothing to me. I speak to a little girl who's dead like she's asleep, Talitha Kum. He reaches down and pulls a little girl out of death like pulling a little girl out of a nap. This is Jesus Christ who comes to us. He's not sweat on his brow, pulling up his sleeves and getting... He's entering and saying, this is like heaven. This is like how it will be. Everything lost. I'm making it new. I'm restoring everything. I, I have the app Snapchat, you know, to connect with people. And there is this way that it can make your face look older. Okay? I don't know. Stay with me. They understand, you know what I mean? So I was like posting with my son. We were having fun. I was riding a riding lawnmower. Oh, man. I was riding a riding lawnmower while on Snapchat. That was probably stupid. Anyway, doesn't matter. But I looked at it, and I was having fun. Ha, ha, ha. And <laughs> I thought I had the aging filter on. I didn't. My fa- I was like, oh, no. That's what my face really looks like. Like, oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. In that moment, I was longing to be made new. I was not the 25-year-old looking in the mirror. The filter 
was not on, that's what my face looks like. And I didn't like it. Well, you know. My future is one of beauty and connectedness and embodied. And it comes from the throne where God himself says, I'm going to make you new. Those moments of regret like, oh, is that really true? Is that what my body looks like? Is that what my family looks like? Is this what my marriage looks like? Is this what my economic situation looks like? Jesus says, I'm going to make it new. I will, not you. It's also by his word. I am making everything, he says. Then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. God ratifies it. He signs his name to it. In his own blood, he signs his name to his, with his word. We are people of God's promise. His word. He leads us by his word. Not a feeling inside here. Not the Lord told me. No, 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 no. God said it in his word. I'm not waiting quietly for the spirit to push me like a feather. No, I've told you, oh man, what is good. To love justice and seek mercy and to visit the widow and orphan in their time of need. I'll show you what God's will for your life is. To avoid sexual immorality, he says and does. This is not easy. I'm sorry, this is very easy. It's not difficult. If it's not sin, go after it 100%. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Be the best salesman. Be the best teacher. Be the best student. Be the best engineer. You go after it. You bring newness and life into this world because God's promised, you are my ambassadors where you are. You lead. You serve. You learn. You teach. Everything you do will ring out into eternity. I said it in my word. I I ratified it. Not guessing. I'm not going to change my mind. You know, the Mormon church until 1970 said that African Americans were cursed of ham or something. That their darker skin made them inferior. Well, then the prophet goes, oh, um, you know, the one who can speak for God. Oh, well, uh, uh, God changed his mind. Here, it, it's actually, we were wrong. God never changes his mind. We never have to reinterpret these things. God put it in his word. The dignity of every human being. And lastly, by his cost. We have this hope and this throne. God on his own authority, for his own name's sake, by his word, that we don't have to negotiate or think that God's, or think that we have to guess. Maybe he's going to change his mind. No, by his word and by his cost. Look how it says it at the end. I, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give water without cost. From the spring of the water of life. He brings us all the way back to Eden, where Adam and Eve dwelt with their God, walking with him in the cool of the morning, in the spring of life, which has flowed through the entire biblical narrative. Streams of living water from Psalm 1. Streams from Jeremiah 17. Jesus saying, out of you, if you come to me, out of you will flow streams of living water. And sometimes I look at you all and I want the streams of life to flow out of you. That comes from Christ. You are in a desert. In Christ, living water. 
flows out of you. And it's by his cost. Don't you love it? It says, I will give water without cost. Why can you and I come? Why do you, can you and I be embodied and be known and cared for? Why is our future beautiful? Because for Christ, he didn't say it's done on the cross. He said it's finished. When he was hideous and bloodied, that no one would look at him. People, Isaiah says, talking of Jesus He was a man from which people hid their faces because he had become a terror for us so that we could be beautiful. His body was torn asunder. He says, my God, my God, you've forsaken me. God was not dwelling with Jesus. God was removing himself from Jesus on the cross. Ours is beautiful because Christ's was terrible. Ours is connected because he was cut off. Ours is embodied because he was separated. And our God descended to the grave in the person of Jesus Christ. And God's authority was poured out in wrath on Jesus Christ. By his word, he was condemned so that you and I could be welcomed. You and I can drink from the water of Life, because Jesus said, I thirst on the cross. He was desperate. He was dying. So that you and I, who are desperate and dying, can go to him. Because we're weary and heavy laden. And he gives us rest. We will love Forsyth County and coming Georgia. And do everything we can to love this area with practical deeds of service and self-sacrifice because Jesus Christ loved us in that way. And we're going to worship as long as we can as a corporate body, embodying this hope because Jesus is on the throne. We will stop as soon as necessary, given to us by our governors and rulers, we will honor them. If for a moment, it will help so that we can love our neighbor. Because I don't care if I'm healthy and won't die. If those that are in a nursing home, or you, my mothers and fathers in the faith, are vulnerable, and if me not joining for a second could care for you, and not pass on something that could cost you your life, then I will love you. We are as strong as our weakest member of our community. In the same regards of how we're going to love those unborn children, we're going to protect those that are the most vulnerable in the womb of mothers. We're going to protect from the womb to the nursing home. So when the the government, it's bigger than us, don't you worry. We're going to trust the ministers that God has put over us that if they say we need to take a break, we're going to take a break, okay? Because we're going to honor the governor because God has given him to us. Let me close with this illustration. One of my favorite, uh, you know, George MacDonald influenced C.S. Lewis in a mighty way. He was a writer. He writes a great little fairy tale called The Princess and the Goblin. Have you ever read it? It's worth reading at night. 
little princess Irene um, is in a castle, and she's being attacked by goblins. And she gets scared, so she has a grandmother, fairy, like a, a fairy godmother, grandmother, who makes her a magic ring. And inside the magic ring, there is an invisible thread. And the grandmother says to Irene, Irene, whenever you're scared, just follow the thread and it will lead you to me. And I'll give you a kiss goodnight. And so the goblins were attacking one night and Irene got scared. And so she started to follow the thread and it took her outside her room outside the castle. Then she remembered her grandmother said, it will take you in topsy-turvy ways. But you have to follow the thread. It only goes forward. Because Irene started to get scared. And so she started to retreat, but she couldn't find the thread. It doesn't work backwards. So she found the thread, and it led her forward all the way to the goblin's lair, into the heart of evil, the heart of those that were attacking her. Irene felt like she was in danger, but that's where the thread led. So she followed the thread and she found a friend in Cordy who had been a minor, a little boy that was about her age, that they were friends and the rocks had fallen on him. And so she starts pulling the rocks off and she finds Cordy and she leads him out all the way back to her grandmother. You see, sometimes when God says, follow me, It doesn't work in retreat. It works in self-sacrifice, brave. We follow his word. We follow the Christ who suffered for us. And and sometimes it leads us all the way into risk, vulnerability, and terror, and fear. And along the way, we find someone trapped in the rocks. And as you follow the thread, it will lead you back to the love that can give you a hug and kiss goodnight. But until then, we're going to follow the thread of Christ's love who has bound us with his promise from his throne with this certain hope. Let's go. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this promise that comes from you. You've given us the end. Our future is bright. And anyone can get in on this no matter how lost or needy or scared, you defeated death. What can, what can man do to us? Lord, we love you. Thank you for loving us first. We pray that we would experience the beauty that you've promised and the connection that you've promised and the embodied reality of being known and loved by you and known and loved by your people. Help us, Lord, to press on by your word, by your authority, and by your cost that we would love each other and love this community like Christ has loved us. We pray in Jesus' name.